0: You're listening to the Type 1 Run Podcast. Leave no ones behind. Hey everybody, welcome to episode 23 of the show. I'm your host as always, John Fody. So today on the show I have Mary Lucas, who is, well, a major part of Beyond Type 1, the parent organization of Type 1 Run. On top of all the other work that she does for Beyond Type 1, she's actually the leader of the Beyond Type Run team, which for some reason is super hard for me to say, after I've said type one run. Huh. Anyways, I really take this opportunity to speak with Mary about her experiences with Beyond Type Run and her experiences at the New York City Marathon, which, oh, by the way, they just announced the new team for this coming year and for this coming year's New York City Full Marathon. So sit back, relax, and enjoy my interview with the awe inspiring Mary Lucas. Mary, what's up? Sure.
1: How are you? I'm so happy we're finally talking.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I feel like uh, it's been long overdue, huh? Where are you calling from today?
1: Um, So our office is in Menlo Park, just south of San Francisco. Um, So that's where I am today. I'm just sitting in our office.
0: (laughs) Wait, so you're still at work?
1: Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I actually, it's because, you know, I have a dinner later and um, it's closer to work than it is to my apartment right now. Yeah. Um, so it's, uh, yeah, it was just easier for me to, for me to stay here. Otherwise, I probably would be home with my dog.
0: <laughs> so talk to me. Oh, yeah. You have a, a French bulldog?
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's yeah, 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 yeah.
0: <laughs> so cute. I watch your snap stories. and
1: Aww. And I want to say
0: you've alluded to the fact that your dog has their own Instagram. Is that a real thing?
1: Oh yeah. No, she, she does. Um, she, got, she's cute. Go she uh, her, has, she has a couple of <laughs> followers, you know, um, it's fun. It's mostly just because I take so many photos of her that like, I want to put them somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh,
0: so this is, this is good that you're at work then. Cause you might be in like a, a talk about work mode. So talk to me a little bit about what you do, because I feel like, Everyone that works at Beyond Type One has multiple hats, you know, and you, you have to put on one hat and then you gotta take it off, and all of a sudden you're doing something totally new. What is your official role <laughs> with Beyond Type One? And what is it yeah, like working? That's there?
1: actually the that, that's a great question. Um, you're so right in that every single day we're all doing different things. Um, my official title is the community manager um but what i do encompasses sort of a l- bunch of aspects of community um so i spend a lot of my time talking with members of the community that want to be involved with beyond type 1 whether that's through being an ambassador or being on our instagram wall hosting an event, doing a fundraiser, you know, anything like that. Um, I really work with those people and figure out, you know, what they need, how we can help with their fundraiser, their school presentation or, or what they need. Um, I do a lot of work in terms of like personally answering emails Mm -hmm. just to try to like give some advice. Um, I think, it is nice that I am a type one because I can look at some of the emails that I get, especially if people being like, you know, I really need help with this and and I can take that and I can use my experience of being a type one for almost 20 years now to help direct that person, you know, to, to how we can help them best. Um, so that is part of my time is really just interacting a lot with the community and, and you know, getting them involved. I also manage our, Global Ambassador Council, which is a council of young leaders in the diabetes space, and all of them are working on various projects, um, sort of based on whatever fit their their interests. And I work closely with all the members on those projects. Um, it's really cool because sometimes their projects, you know, coincide with other projects that Beyond Type One might be doing. So, for example, you know we had a, a member of our Global Ambassador Council come to us with the idea for Bike Beyond, you know, a, a bike ride across the United States of all diabetics, not a race, just a bike ride. Mm-hmm. And we took that idea and we ran with it. And then two of our other Global Ambassador Council members ended up going on that ride as well. Um, and so it's really cool because we do like sometimes, you know, those areas of my work cross over the area with, our Global Ambassador Council, and then with some of our programs that we're doing, because I also uh, help manage a lot of our programs that we do. Um, And those programs include things like our snail mail program and making sure that's running okay. our give a bear program for Jerry the bear and managing that and seeing how that's going and reading some of the stories that we get about why someone needs a bear but might not be able to afford one. Um, I work on some of the programs, including our Beyond Type Run program, which is something I'm really proud of. Um, And it's an area that I'm really passionate about, um, because I I am a runner now, I guess, you know, I I didn't used to be. Um, But we do have two exciting, you know, running projects here at Beyond Type One, we have Type One Run, which is these great community groups like really grassroots no pressure no fundraising do what you want and i love that i love that i think it's great and then we also have our new york city marathon team and that's what we call our beyond type run team and so that's a team that we had last year and there were 17 runners last year which i love for 2017 it was kind of a nice coincidence Um, is there going to be a team this year (laughs) <laughs> you know, stay tuned for that. Um, I, we will I, I actually know like know the, the
0: final submission timeline, like, or deadline was like last week or two weeks ago or something like that.
1: Yeah. So what happens when we do the applications is that beyond Type one only receives a certain amount, um, you know, just based on your charity level, it's the same for all charities. You just get a, a different amount depending on what level you are. And from there, Once you register everyone in your team, you can go back and request more spots. And so this year, we only had 10 spots and we had over 40 applicants. So we, of course, unfortunately, could not take everyone all at once. But we did get to go back to New York Roadrunners and say, hey, look at all this great interest we have in this program that we've built, we'd love to get more spots. Mm-hmm. Um, so right now we are uh, we're in the exciting waiting process, to, yeah. uh, waiting to hear back. But I, I fingers crossed that we get a good number. Personally, I'd love to have 18 for 2018, but uh, any, anything really, even anything above that would, would be great.
0: <laughs> yeah. So I have a ton of questions, but before um, I forget, I yeah. want to ask you, did you ever think that yeah. this is what you'd be doing when you grew up?
1: Absolutely not. Oh, man, I can't even tell you, I did not think I was going to work in diabetes at all. Um, I actually, growing up, I um, was really interested in arts and fashion and theater. Um, And I did some, you know, fundraising. And every single year, you know, my family, we had a big fundraising event. And, you know, I certainly took part in diabetes. But it was never something that I was super passionate about going into the field of and, and working in that. Um, I went to school for fashion design. Um, and really? you know, yeah, I, uh, I went to Parsons school of design in New York. Um, and I studied fashion design. I actually, uh, specifically children's wear design. Um, so <laughs> definitely didn't think I would, you know, I, I thought I would be a fashion designer. That's always what I thought I was going to be. Um, but then after school, I really needed a break from fashion. And I was lucky enough to be able to come work for Beyond Type 1 as one of the very first employees. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was originally supposed to work in a contractor role um, only for a few months. And at the end of those few months, I was like, I love it here so much. I really want to stay. Yeah.
2: Um,
1: and, you know, now it's been two and a half years, I guess. Um, and I'm still here and I still... Love what I do. Um, like I said, not what I thought I was going to be doing, but I love the work that I'm doing and and knowing that I get to have such an impact on people every day and that I'm doing good work that yeah. matters
0: when were when were you diagnosed? You said twenty you said twenty years, so I imagine well before you were <laughs> ten, right?
1: Um, yeah, so I was diagnosed when I was seven years old. Um, I was diagnosed in November. So it was November of 1998. Um, My mom had just had a new baby, actually, and we were moving houses at the time. So it was a pretty hectic time, I will say. But um, I am really lucky in that my mom really quickly noticed that something was wrong with me um, and knew something wasn't right. And so she actually looked up some symptoms in this little blue book that she had. Um, cause this was before the internet was, was really a thing in people's homes. Um, and she called up our pediatrician and she was like, I think my daughter has type one diabetes. And we went to the hospital and, and I got tested. Um, and obviously the, you know, the rest is history. Um, but I was really lucky because, you know, I wasn't in DKA. My number wasn't too high. I had great medical care. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know a lot of people don't have that. And there are so many scary stories of diagnoses um, and and people dying from them. And so I do feel really lucky. Uh, But yeah, so this year, yeah, this year will be 20 years. (laughs) It's weird to think about.
0: (laughs) So your your mom's pretty big in the community. And for for anyone who doesn't know your mom, tell us like a little bit about what it would be like growing up as a type one with your mom (laughs) and then how that and we don't have to tell the whole story of beyond type one. But if you want to, kind yeah. of an opportunity to talk a little bit about, you know, how your mom was able to make that happen and kind of how you were involved with it and how that was born.
1: hmm Definitely. So, um, I mean, first of all, my mom's amazing. I know that, you know, everyone says that about their moms. But um, really, the work that my mom's done in diabetes throughout her life is really inspiring to me. Um, when I was first diagnosed, you know, like I said, I was seven years old. We didn't know anyone with type one. Um, and my mom, my parents really jumped in headfirst uh, to type one, to learning about it, doing the best that they could. We jumped really quickly into fundraising. Um, and so that's something we really started right off the bat. And that's something we continued every single year. We ended up having a really successful fundraiser that we did for like 30, the, walk,
2: 14 the walk for years. Cares.
1: Um, no, we we had our own benefit. Um, it was called Spring Fling, and um it started as a golf tournament and over the 14 years evolved to be a golf tournament, a ladies' luncheon, and an evening bash, as we like to call it. Um, sort of like a gala thing. Um and through that, through those fourteen years, we raised almost eight million dollars total. Um, and all that money at the time uh went to JDRF. Um, and then after a while our family and and it was a big family event. Um, I have three younger siblings, so there's four of us and my family was always really involved. My siblings were always volunteering and really great. Um, and we came to a point in our lives where we were like, you know, we've been doing this for a really long time and we all feel really good about it. We think it's better to go out on top, um, and celebrate the successful thing that we've done and figure out what to do next. Um, and of course, my mom being the go-getter she is, she's like, you know, I'm going to take some time off from fundraising and sort of all this stuff. And then she was starting a nonprofit, you know, really shortly after that. Um, so she really, it's, it's like, even when she wants to stand still, she can't just because she is so passionate about everything she's doing and, and all the work for diabetes that she's done. Um, And so it's funny because, you know, our relationship has evolved a lot over the years. Obviously, I was diagnosed as a child um, and my mom was really the sort of the more primary caretaker of me. And so we and we had a very close relationship growing up um, when I was growing up. Um, You know, the teenage years were rough. Like, I'm going to be honest. Um, It was not my best time. Um, And I but, you know, um, I say that about teenage girls. What? Sorry.
0: They say that about teenage girls. They're not so easy to get along with.
1: <laughs> that is true. Um, and I think it's just hard with, you know, with everything going on in a teenager's life and hormones and all that kind of stuff, you know, your blood sugars and diabetes is just all over the place. Um, and I know for me, you know, it was a constant battle of my blood sugars and just trying to get them down. Um, and, you know, sometimes just not wanting to deal with diabetes because, of course, you know when you're in middle school and high school, you don't really want to feel different from everyone else. And that's hard. Um, but did you have I a bad relationship did... with
0: your type one. Like, was it,
1: I, I wouldn't say I had a bad relationship. I would say that I just was very frustrated and didn't really put as much time into it as I should have. Like, it's not that I didn't not that I had a bad relationship. It was more that I was just like, Oh God, like, okay, I guess I could do a better job and maybe track all my food and measure out my carbs and do all this. But like, I don't like, I just can't do that right now. So it's funny. It was almost kind of like, just, I don't want to say being like a a lazy diabetic, but it was just something that at the time, like I I just didn't put a lot of effort into, I guess. Um, and you know, of course that, you know that that's hard because I'm sure if I had put more effort into my teenage years, maybe my A1C would have been lower, or you know, I something like that. Um, I mean, hindsight's 2020, obviously. And uh, you know, I like to say that I would never change anything in my life because I think it's you know, whatever happens in your life always makes you the yeah, person that something. you are. Yeah. Um, what?
0: Yeah, you're always learning something.
1: Oh, yeah. Yeah, you're always learning something. And so, you know, it's funny, because I'm like, people ask me, would you rather have been diagnosed when you were older or younger? And like, really, neither is the answer. But <laughs> well, um, I can tell you firsthand I that I don't
0: think it's easy at 27 either.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, nope. <laughs> um, but, uh, uh, sorry, I sort of just lost my train of thought there. Um, but yeah, I, I guess... Uh, teenage teenagers years were hard. Um, I wouldn't change it because like I said, um, it's made me who I am. Um, and you know, yeah, teenagers are tough, but you know, you get through them. And I like to tell people now, like, Hey, look, you know, my mom and I've been through it all. We went from me being a kid to being a teenager, to being a young adult and now working with her. Um, and so it's funny cause really like just over the course of my life, We have had so many different kind of parts to our relationship um, because obviously diabetes is such a huge part of life. And when you're growing up with it, it's it is like, I guess I just said this, it's a huge part of life. Um, And uh, and diabetes has always been there in the background sort of 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 me and my mom. Um, And it is really cool to be able to work with her now and to be able to have a good relationship with her. Um, and to not fight about my diabetes or, or anything like that. Um, it's just, it's really nice. And I think that we have a good, like working relationship now, I would say. Um, and I am inspired by her, you know, she's a a force to be reckoned with, I would say. Um, and so I am inspired every day just working with her because her determination and drive is really amazing. And her, her desire to help people, um, is, is is amazing. Um, so yeah, I don't know if that really answered
0: your sort of question. Yeah. Were you an athlete, <laughs> like growing up, were you an athlete or, cause you mentioned, uh, you, you alluded to like that you're a runner now, but <laughs> like, how did that, how did that go in your childhood?
1: Yeah. So, um, I hated running when I was little. I, uh, I was not the sporty type. I, you know, I, I did sports because we had to in school because of PE, you know, I tried to do soccer. I wasn't very good at it. I tried softball. I wasn't great at that. You know, tried a couple different things. The one thing I always hated with a passion was running. Um, <laughs> I, I swam ever since I was five years old, um, and I swam all the way through high school, um, and I did a lot of dance starting when I was two years old all the way up again through high school. Um, and those were sort of my sports, I guess you would say like team sports. I was never really good at, um, including
0: endurance though. Like what was your go-to event?
1: (laughs) That's true. Oh, well, no, actually, no, my go-to event was not the endurance swimming. I will tell you that, um, (laughs) I came up with every excuse I could think of to not, to not swim the long events. Of course I had to anyway, but, uh, but I would say that shorter, shorter distances were always my favorite. Um, and I always liked doing one stroke. I didn't like having to switch around (laughs) a bunch. Um, but yeah, I, uh, yeah. So I, I was a swimmer, I guess. Um, again, not very good at it. Like I never really, you know, won all the awards for that. I I got like the participation medal.
0: (laughs) It's kind of like they say, Um, all who run are runners, you know, all who swim are
1: swimmers.
0: (laughs) I I was talking to Craig the other day and we were kind of talking for a little bit about like swimming's the one thing, especially if you're like triathlon training or whatever, but at least for me and I know for him and I've talked to multiple people that it's like the hardest thing to evaluate your blood sugars while you're doing. And so did, like, oh, did you have issues totally. with that or like, I'm guessing, yeah. like, have you always been on a pump or?
1: Um, so I've been on a pump sort of all the, like pretty consistently dating back to like, I want to say like. 2002, maybe something like that, like, I I got on a pump pretty quickly. And I've had a variety of them. I think I've had almost every brand of pump that you can have in the United States. Mm -hmm. Um, And there were times, sure, when I might have done, you know, pens or shots for a while, because I was tired of my pump, but pretty consistently on a pump. um, And pretty consistently on a CGM. I was one of the first uh, pediatric patients to get a CGM. GM to get a Dexcom when they first came out. So at least that could help a little bit during swimming.
2: Um,
1: but of course, you know, it's, it's now there have been even more advancements made. Like you can look on your Apple watch, which is waterproof while you're swimming to see your blood sugar maybe. and, And the Dexcom can go farther. But you know, back in, when I was in high school, which I know isn't even that long ago, um, I didn't have that. And I would have to hop out of the pool to check my blood sugar, check my CGM and my CGM might, you know, lose, lose track of me. Cause I was in the water.
0: Oh, mine does. Constantly. But, you know, far
1: away from yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and of course I would take my pump off during swimming, um, which normally worked fine just cause the workouts were longer, like, like long enough that, um, it wasn't like, it wasn't, you know, like four hours of no insulin. And it was, it was doing enough activity that, I didn't have to be doing insulin to keep my blood sugars down. um, If that makes sense. Um, Which is different than how I am with running. And I always have my pump on for running no matter what. Um, But just going back to swimming, I do remember also like I had times when, uh, you know, there was a practice one day and we were doing sprints and we were timed and it was a, a team thing and we had to finish. And my, uh, CGM site ripped off when I dove into the water and I could tell it had ripped off oh. and I swam my laps and I came back and I like reached into my swimsuit and tore my CGM off and like threw it over to the side and then like got right back in the water. Um, and that's just kind of what I did. You know, it was kind of, I was like, okay, just take it off. Keep going. because yeah.
0: Wait, did you and hit then- something?
1: <laughs> no, 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 no. I, I mean, I didn't. I didn't hit the. I didn't hit anything with my CGM. I sort of like threw it over in the the corner. Um, I'm just trying but, to figure uh, out how I it came that's...
0: off because I swim a oh, few times a week I... and I need to know what to avoid.
1: <laughs> yeah, well, no, it's funny because like I really don't know what happened. I yeah. th- I don't know if maybe the adhesive was already loose anyway, because I'd had it on for a little bit. So it was more susceptible to being knocked off. Yeah. I don't know if it yet yeah, like I, you yeah. know, I, I really don't know. And I wish that I had advice that I could give you. Um, <laughs> I, <laughs> I guess I will say that now for all sports, no matter what, um, I always tape up my CGM, especially and sometimes my pump site, um, you know, if I'm worried about that falling off, um, because, you know, during the New York city marathon, my pump site actually did fall out, uh, which was not great. Um, but yeah, sorry. That was a, a side note. <laughs> no, uh, well, I got tons of questions about that too.
0: If you want, you can segue that into my, my next really curious question is like, how did you start running? You know what I mean? Cause <laughs> there's, there's type ones all over the country. Most of them don't run, but a lot of them probably will over the point in their life. You know what I mean? And they're going to find Mary's okay. episode and they're going to be like, well, how do I, you know, be successful in running <laughs> like Mary's been, you know what I mean? So talk to me about, because you, you had mentioned you always hated running. When did that switch over for you and how did you yeah. manage that with type one? Like what were, if you had to throw tips at it, what would you do?
1: Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, I, I definitely have a couple things that I can speak to about this. So to be honest, I started running last year in February and I didn't run my first mile until April. (laughs) So probably right around now at this time. Yeah. Um, but really what happened was I found out that beyond type one got spots in the New York city marathon and we'd be doing that. Um, and I went to, you know, our CEO and COO and I said, I really want to run this marathon. And I, I even made a little application video, um, and all this stuff. Uh, and it was very high production value. It's very fancy. Um, because I really wanted to run it. I was like, you know, I don't know what came over me. I was like, I want to do something cool. I want to do something amazing. You know, we had just finished bike beyond earlier in that year. And I think that really helped inspire me. Cause I was like, look at these people, these 20 people that just biked across the United States and they have type one, if they can do that, I can go run twenty six miles. So I kind of was like I think it was a combination of inspiration from that of wanting to do something cool, um and then really just it was all of a sudden like i you know we got this marathon, and I was like, "Wow, I want to do that yeah. and so I just started running um and I didn't like it at first, but I think I was so determined and set in my goal. I was like, no." I'm going to do this. Like I'm going to, I'm going to do this. I'm going to be a runner. Um, cause there's also, I will say there's, there hasn't been a lot of sports things in my life that I have. So I have so desperately wanted, I guess, like I really wanted to run this marathon. I wanted to get my body there and to do it, but I never had that same drive. Yeah, exactly. And I think with other sports, I never had that same drive. Mm. I, I just didn't, like them that much, I guess. I didn't have any, you know, anything exciting about the swimming I was doing really, I was just swimming. Um, and so for this, I was like, I really wanted to do this. Um, and so I, I literally just set out running. Um, and it was really difficult at first. Like I could really only, you know, do the walk, run, walk, run thing. And I would have to run for thirty seconds and then walk for thirty seconds or a minute sometimes, um, and it, it was a little discouraging at first. I will say because also, most marathon training plans are like, well, you need to be running, you know, twenty miles a week already. And I looked at that and I was yeah. like, oh my gosh, okay, I can't even run. <laughs> like,
0: yeah, they're daunting, especially if you if you don't <laughs> if you don't look at it through the right filter, you start looking at it and it's like this is a 12 week program and I'm supposed to start week one by running an eight mile long run. <laughs> That's like insane.
1: <laughs> right. Exactly. I'm like, you've got to be kidding me. Yeah. No. So, <laughs> so what I did was I, I found some smaller running plans. I was like, okay, I'll start with like a 5k plan to, you know, work up to there. I signed up for a half marathon in July um, so that I could try to gauge my progress um, as a side note, didn't end up running that because I injured my toe and got my toenail ripped off. Um, but mm. that had been my plan. Um, and so, you know, once I found like a, 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 easier running plan, I guess I would say for, for a 5k, a beginning runner plan, um, that was helpful. And like I said, it, it really was the run, walk, run thing. And it was actually like amazing though, because just getting to little tiny milestones felt like such a big deal to me. Like, I remember the first time I ran half a mile without stopping. And, you know, it took me like six or seven minutes of running. And that was the longest I'd literally ever run. And I was so proud of myself. And it was the same, like when I got to, you know, three quarters of a mile. And I remember when I ran my first mile without stopping, I was so ecstatic. I think I like jumped up into the air in the middle of the street just because I was like, oh, my God, like, Mary, look at what you just did. Like, even a few months ago, you weren't able to do this. And I think after I ran my first mile, I was like, yes, like, I think that's really when it changed for me. And I was like, I'm enjoying this. I like running. And and I know I've heard that that happens to people, you know, you just got to get over the hump, I guess a little bit Um, and you know, and I was just trying to trust that process because everyone says you'd enjoy it eventually. So I was like, okay, I'll enjoy it eventually. Yeah, it can be
0: addicting. This is a plug for the type one run couch to 5k program. So this was obviously before that program existed. But would you say it would be easier now if someone had like, you know, a type one group that had a 5k program that was already couch to 5k?
1: Oh, definitely. I think that, um, There's a real lack of information about exercise for type ones. It's just not something that's sort of as available um, or as plentiful as some of the other resources out there. Yeah. And for someone like me, who was just starting running, you know, who is a type one, who had no idea how to control her blood sugars during a run, and I just, you know, was winging it. Um, it would have been really helpful to have a plan that. I know was not only developed by type ones, but where I was getting that support. I mean, you know, I didn't do that 5k plan that you just mentioned, but I, yeah. I was in that group and I saw, you know, everyone coming together and asking questions about maybe their blood sugars or what they were doing or getting help on the stretches they were supposed to do. Yeah. And I loved that. I was like, wow, this is amazing. Like, this is such a great, a great thing. Like, and yeah, I wish that I had had this. Um, I think it's also special that like it was developed by type ones because next to no running plans are oh, developed yeah. specifically for type ones. Um, I mean, obviously there's, there's a couple out there, but a uh, few and far between.
0: <laughs> so, so what was your um, longest run prior to New York?
1: So for New York, um, I worked my way up to 23 miles, um, and I did 23 miles on my 26th birthday and it was sort of a goal that I had really wanted. Um, and it was, I was really discouraged at the time because, um, I had had a bit of a rough summer sort of starting in, you know, July, I, um, You know, like I said, I I got my toenail ripped off. I have no idea how. Like, no idea. I just looked down and it was bloody one day. Um, But I couldn't even put on closed-toed shoes for two weeks, let alone run. Um, So I had to skip the half marathon I was planning on doing, and I had to rest. I'd also started developing some hip problems, just like hip overuse, sort of. Mm and so I was just a little discouraged because I thought that maybe I wouldn't be able to make it. I was kind of like having those runs where I was like, I've only run this much. And of course, in my head, I'm like, I've only run 13 miles, which I know it seems like a lot. But when you're trying to think about how you have to run 26.2, yeah. <laughs> it's daunting. It's a very daunting thought.
2: Yeah.
1: Um, and so I think at the time, I was really nervous and really doubting myself that I would be able to do it. Um But I had this goal of on my birthday, which is September 23rd, um, this goal of either running 20 miles or 23 miles. And when I got to 20, you know, which, which, man, that was hard, because before that, I had only ever gotten to like 19, I think, or maybe 20. Um, But once I got there, I was like, no, I can do these three more. Um and the reason I wanted to do 23 is because twenty-three is my lucky number and it's my birthday. Nice. Um yeah, yeah. So, so did you get there really like silly. unbroken
0: or what like did you have like walk run sections or how did that go?
1: Well, um I will say I sort of paused a couple times to like really try to, you know, normally when I run, I'll take in my fuel as I'm running. I'll I'll like squish the gel packs into my mouth while I'm running so I don't have to stop. But for that particular long run, I was like, I I let myself have a couple times where like, I might stop and eat my gel or like, I might stop and have a little more water because the water in my backpack ran out. Um, Or like, I think at one point I had to go to the bathroom and it was nice because I was near my apartment. So, you know, I just ran in and like came back out. Um, But also just for me, like that day wasn't about, you know, how fast can I do this? It was just about, can I do this? Um, and so when I did, I just I felt such a sense of accomplishment.
0: Yeah. And Possibly, it was like at that point that I was like relief too. Like is it relief too? Yeah.
1: <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. Such a, such relief because I was like, okay, I can do this. Like yeah,
0: I'm capable. Uh, you know, a
1: marathon's only three more miles, three point two more miles, like yeah, I can do this. Plus um, you'll be like
0: super motivated so- that day.
1: Oh, totally. Yeah. That's what everyone says is yeah. they're like, you know, it's totally different on race day. Um which is a hundred percent true. I'm impressed. Uh, but, uh, I have yeah. to say,
0: I'm impressed that you were able to go in your apartment and then leave your apartment to go back to running. I feel like <laughs> I would just be like, Oh, I've done 19. I'm already inside. you know what I mean? I might as well. Just call <laughs> yeah. it, right?
1: I know. It's funny. I kind of surprised myself as well. Actually. Um, I think I surprised myself a lot with running and with learning to run. And I surprised myself in how much I could push myself in ways that I didn't think I could before. Um, you know, I and you know this, running is really mental and um it takes a lot of work mentally because you know, I know I had runs where I would start out and be like, "Oh god, this sucks. I don't want to run 6 miles." <laughs> yeah. But sometimes you just got to get over it cuz you're like, you know, I'm training for a marathon, like I got to do this. Yeah. Um and uh you know, it can uh it can be tough that mental part which, you know, obviously like I said, you you know, you know. Um, And so I was definitely surprised at some points with myself that I could be able to bounce back. And then I did develop some new resilience and strength that I didn't really think I had. Like, I didn't know I had that in me before. Um, And it was great because it gave me a lot of confidence to do other things. Like, because my body was stronger and I was in better shape, I was able to go hike around in, in the desert in Utah this summer. Um, like I, you know, we, I went on a road trip and we did a bunch of hikes and I wouldn't have been able to do that, you know, maybe a year or two ago, I wouldn't have had the the stamina, um, or been able to be on my feet as long, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, but, uh, but yeah, so it's, it's, yeah, running definitely, um, it's taught me a lot, (laughs) I will say.
0: (laughs) So how did the race go? Talk to me about like what running with all those type ones. And I will say right when I got diagnosed, kind of like you said, there's not a lot of information out there for people that want to run with type one. And, you know, obviously that's starting to change now with the podcast and type one run. But for a while there, like this time last year, there really wasn't a lot. And right after I got diagnosed, I think one of the first things that I saw other than like Team Nova Nordisk was beyond type run and like it it was pretty it was it was inspiring to me and i know like a lot of other people kind of were inspired from the audience you know what i mean and never got to participate but talk to us about Mm -hmm. what it was like from the inside as opposed to the outside view you know what i mean like what's it like showing up you know you've got like crowds of people that are cheering you on that all (laughs) like beyond type run is there and i know you all had like a posse and like a pit crew and all that and so yeah if you could yeah talk about the day because i'm really curious as to how it went from your perspective
1: Yeah. Um, so I will tell you it was literally life-changing. Um, it was a life-changing experience, which I'm sure, you know, running your first marathon, I'm sure would be for anyone. Um, and, uh, you know, I was, it's funny because because I'm the one who manages the team at beyond type one, like I, you know, I was in charge of managing the team, getting them there, you know, their outfits, coordinating with people getting there because I'd been so busy with that. And with everyone else's logistics, I think that I hadn't really thought about myself and the race until like the night before. And then all of a sudden I was like, Oh my God, I'm running a marathon tomorrow. And it was the same thing the next morning. It was almost like it hit me just all of a sudden. And I think that that's you know, of course, when you when you step off the bus at Staten Island, it it feels really real at that point. And um, I had not been nervous at all, and I was so nervous that morning. Oh my gosh! Um, yeah,
0: I feel like it doesn't help that it's a one way too, right? So it's like there's all these <laughs> logistical issues along with that, right?
1: Oh yeah, like you know, to get to Staten Island in the morning, um, it takes hours just because you know there's so much traffic there's there's road closures there's road closures after certain times and it's like the first wave of, of marathoners after the elites doesn't start till like 9 or nine thirty. but you have to be there at 6 a.m because like you have to get through from the roads you know what I mean like you you have to um you know, you have to make sure that you get there before all the roads close. Um, And so definitely a little, yeah, it was a little bit stressful going in, but we were really lucky because our team had a team bus. So we all got to uh, ride in together, which was really nice. I think it was cool because a lot of us got to experience the same thing because we hadn't run New York City before um, and we hadn't run a marathon before. You know, I wasn't the only one, luckily, on my team that hadn't run a marathon before. So... The excitement was really palpable. Um, even just as we were driving up, uh, uh, it was cool. But then, yeah, it's like you step off the bus and it's freezing cold, and you're like, "Wow, this is really real now." Um, and who drove? Because you know, I um, think
0: I would be terrified to get a whole bus full of people that need to be at the start line lost.
1: <laughs> oh yeah, it was a little. Um, it, you know, I don't like sitting in traffic anyway, and uh, I get worried about things anyway, and. So that, that bus ride, I was glad when that was over because I was like, okay, we're all here. Everyone's here. We all got here. Like, the team's here. We can do this now. Um, so that was good. Um, and, you know, once we got in there, it was really nice because, um, you know, all, all of us, all seven – well, not all, 17 of us um, – because so Robin Arzon was our captain, but, um, you know, that morning she was doing some stuff with Adidas cause you know, she's an Adidas person, but, uh, the rest of us, it was nice. We sort of just all sat there with each other in a, in a big circle and, you know, took turns going to the bathroom or going to get, you know, water for your oatmeal or going to visit the therapy dogs, uh, which was personally my favorite part. Wait, wait. So um, you
0: brought breakfast, <laughs> you had to bring yeah. breakfast to the start line.
1: Yeah, it's funny. Um, a lot of people bring their own food. Some people don't because they do provide a ton of food, which I was surprised when I got there. I had never been to this start village before. And oh man, like there were bagels and donuts and coffee and all this stuff that, like I said, there were therapy dogs and there was Gatorade and there yeah. like all this stuff. And I, it was, it was a little overwhelming, I will say, um, especially cause there are so many people. Um, but yeah, some people do bring their own food. Like You know, we had one girl on our team bring instant oatmeal that she put water into. Um, Myself, I brought a You Can shake um, and like a You Can bar. And then because I'm such a worry wart, I brought like... A thousand low snacks, <laughs> even though there was Gatorade along the course at every mile marker. <laughs> yeah, I just like I'm that type of person where I showed up with my bag. I'm not kidding, and I had the biggest bag of everyone. And I'm like, like a one person. Someone's like, my hands are cold. I'm like, here, have a hand warmer. And someone's like, <laughs> I have a blister. I'm like, here, here's a band aid. And I'm like, does everyone have their their toilet paper for the porta potties? I know they run out. And like yeah. everyone was like, oh my god, what? But
0: wait, is this like I a just, running bag, or you got I, like a handbag with you? <laughs>
1: <laughs> I, I get nervous about stuff. Um, so I definitely was overprepared, I would say. Um, but the reason I think people did bring food is because, you know, people like to eat at very certain times for running and especially with type one, you have to be very specific. Oh, yeah. um, I know like for myself, I did a lot of trial and error because I will never run if my blood sugars, I will never start to run if my blood sugars over 200, 215 because I just know that it'll keep going up and it, it doesn't work for me. So I also know that I can't eat too many carbs in the morning, or if I do, that I have to give insulin for it pretty exactly. So it's like, you know, I spent time figuring out different shakes or figuring out different gels to use and what those did to my blood sugar and how that would affect them. Um, so I, I did a lot of work for that, and because of that I knew when I wanted to drink my shake and you know where my blood sugars would be at, at one point. Um, but <laughs> mother nature had different plans for me that day. Um, and my carefully regimented eating plans sort of went out the window because I got the super adrenaline rush. Once I stepped off the bus yeah. and my liver just like dumped into me uh, because I just got so nervous and excited. And so my blood sugar shot up and this is something actually that, uh, that Craig from type one run warned me about. He was like, you know, it's going to go up because of adrenaline. And I was like, yeah, I know, I just, I don't want to do too much insulin. But then, of course, like, it happened anyway, and I didn't do enough in time.
0: <laughs> was but, this your uh, first race?
1: Yeah. Officially? It, it was.
0: Wait, so your <laughs> which, first ever race was a, a, the full <laughs> marathon?
1: Yes, which <laughs> I know is pretty funny. Um, I've had a lot of people be like, really? And <laughs> I know you're really supposed to start out with smaller races. Um, and I'm not really sure why I... Decided to jump in.
0: It's actually kind of cool because now every happened. race, every race will seem so short to you now. Like, oh, a five k, like whatever. Oh, a ten k, oh, a half. Yeah, psh.
1: totally right. Like, yeah. psh, got this. um But yeah, so uh and then that morning was hectic because also like I went to the wrong place to drop off my bag, and then the other bag drop things were gonna leave, and I was like sprinting all over the place. It wasn't great cause I ended up running two miles for the marathon even started. Um, and then, you know, of course there, it's funny, actually that whole day I ended up going about 34 miles total because there was so much walking, um, and mm-hmm. running around in between everything. Um, even at the exit line, uh, the finish line, you have to walk about a half a mile just to get out of central park. <laughs> um, which is great for getting the lactic acid out of your system, Yeah, but you know, 34 hour, 34 miles is, is a lot to go. Um, and I didn't definitely didn't help myself by running in the beginning. Um, but then, you know, the, and the race was fun. Um, I, I got to start with a couple of my teammates, which is great. Um, you know, they, they really segment everyone in the New York city marathon race. Um, and they like, it's very specific in terms of, uh, what section you need to be in and where and what time and what wave you are and what color, because um, and some of them go some of the waves go over the bridge some go under which I didn't realize I was lucky enough to go over the bridge which was cool um, of course by the last bridge I'm like cursing at the bridges because <laughs> my god who knew that bridges could be so tough I kind of thought that
0: all of you guys would get to start together
1: <laughs> no actually we, we didn't because people had different times it's based on your projected end time um, and you know some people were much much faster than than others like there definitely were you know on our team of course more experienced marathoners um you know this was robin's 25th or something like that in and, and we had yeah. a woman and it was her 10th marathon um yeah i, and, I
0: you interviewed know, jordan a couple weeks ago and
1: oh yeah yeah yeah, yeah she had. So i think
0: that she had had multiple i think before she walked into new york so
1: Yeah, yeah, she did. Um, She's super cool. I loved her. I was super happy to have her on the team. Um, But yeah, so it's like, for me, I knew, you know, I'm not going to finish in four hours. That's not realistic for me. But for someone else, that was realistic for them. Um, And so it just depended on when everyone had put their projected end times. Um, But we were lucky in that most of us were able to be grouped together anyway. Um, And, you know, just, which was nice. Um, and even if it was smaller pockets of people, like with myself, there was four of us. Jordan was actually one of the ones running in my group. Um, and then, you know, there were some little clusters of other people. Um, and you know, that was like totally fine. Personally, I wasn't, you know, I wasn't upset or anything. I, I was just so excited to be there. And it was really nice just to have two of my, or a couple of my teammates. At one point, I actually had lost them because I'd been running around, trying to put my bag away. And I actually, I almost started crying because I just got so I all of a sudden got so nervous because I was alone. And I was like, I've never run a marathon before. Oh, my God, this is so scary. And then I saw my teammates. I was totally fine. Um, But definitely a whirlwind of emotions that day. Um, But the race was really challenging for me. Um, Not only was I dealing with shin splints, still at the time, I had also strained my calf, I still had hip problems. And as a side note, I have a great sports doctor and like chiropractor that I've been going to. um, And she really really like worked magic on me um, and really like made it so that I could run because there actually was a point about a month before the marathon when I did strain my calf and I was like, man, I don't know if I can do this. Um, And she really helped get me back into shape, um, which was great. (laughs) Um, But so the race was tough for that. I also... um, (laughs) <laughs> on, uh, mile 13, my pump site ripped out, like I said. Um, and my CGM had failed the night before. So I, uh, I, and, and I luckily had a different I, I luckily had an extra Dexcom. Uh, I'm on a Medtronic pump. Um, and so it was that sensor that failed and I didn't have another one, but luckily I had a Dexcom still. Um, and so, I was lucky enough to put that on, but then I couldn't, you know, I wasn't in closed loop.
0: Wait, um, just, wait, 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 hold up. You had a spare Dexcom on you while you were running?
1: It, I, I had, uh, I mean, so what happened was when I went to New York, um, I take like a thousand diabetes supplies with oh, me anyway. Yeah. And especially for this, I was like, I'm just going to take this extra Dexcom just in case, because it's like I had still had it left over because I just switched over devices. Um, So I still had like a few weeks left on my Dexcom transmitter before it was going to die. And and in that moment, when my when my first CGM failed, I was like, well, thank goodness I brought this. Um, You know, so that was okay, But, uh, you know, I wasn't running with my pump in the closed loop, which I had gotten used to for you know the previous month um because yeah. closed loop is very different from non-closed loop yeah you're on um, 6, 7, and that's a whole and separate discussion but uh sorry did I interrupted you oh I
0: was saying you're on you're on the six seven and G.
1: Yes I am um so, which I but love. My question is
0: <laughs> you already had a Dexcom on so you had two CGMs on already and then you just got to use it?
1: Oh no 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 I I put the Dexcom on. I had brought the sensor and, and, and like an extra set. I didn't have it on already though. So at mile
0: 13, so, your CGM. Oh, no, 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 okay. no, 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 sorry,
1: sorry, no. So my CGM failed the night before the marathon. So okay. Saturday night. So yeah, just, your my CGM site, CGM just
0: your pump site came out. at Bonther. Yes.
1: Yeah. Okay. So then, yeah, on mile 13, my pump site came out. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Luckily I had brought an insulin pen cause I was afraid that something like that would happen. Okay. Of course, um, like of course I said, you
0: so you're running with an insulin pen on you.
1: <laughs> I was, yes, I was. <laughs> um so I'm pretty prepared. sure I had the biggest belt pack of anyone in our in our group. Um well, in case but I yeah, forget to ask,
0: I, what belt pack was that? So I can go buy oh, it so I know that I can yeah. show as much stuff in it <laughs> as you did.
1: Um it's a belt, it's from a company called Stay Fit Running, and I personally really like them because they're they're fairly big, um, bigger than some other running belts that I've had, and so I can fit a lot in it. Yeah. Um and so I, I've literally, you know, I've been using those since last year and it's the only thing I use now. Um, unless I carry a backpack, but you know, in the New York city marathon, you're actually not allowed to have a backpack for security reasons. Um, so I really, I just shoved everything in my, uh, in my, in my little band and it held really well. I, I can't recommend them enough.
0: <laughs> yeah. That's, I'm always looking for new gear and I know I get reached out by listeners all the time that are kind of interested in new gear. It's kind of, like any sport, you know, you start running or you start a new sport, and you're kind of excited to get some new stuff. It's pretty natural. Oh, I
1: think. totally! Yeah. Oh my gosh, no, yeah, everyone likes absolutely. gear. <laughs> absolutely, I know for myself, I got really into compression socks. Um, I have so many different colors. <laughs> during our mar- during the marathon, actually, uh, at, at mile from mile 19 to 20, I was feeling so nauseous that I actually had to walk for an entire mile. Um, and it was miserable, let me tell you. It was raining. It was raining the entire time of the marathon, which wasn't great. But, oh, no. you know, mile 20, uh, mile 19, I guess, I'm, like, walking in the rain, just feeling nauseous, not happy. And one of my teammates came up behind me, and she was like, oh, my gosh, I recognize you because you your pink socks. Um, <laughs> and so that actually was kind of funny. Um, and and it was nice because she ended up walking with me for a little bit um, and sort of just staying with me for a little bit, which was nice. Um, But, uh, it was hard because at that point, like I had been nauseous and I, I didn't have any constant insulin. Um, and my blood sugar was only around 200, which isn't that bad. But the problem I ran into is normally when I'm running longer distances, I have a gel or something like that every three miles. Um, and I keep my pump on and that way I'm getting constant insulin and I'm continuing to fuel myself. Um, and I'm not just taking the insulin out of the equation because, that's That that just doesn't work for me personally. Oh, yeah. Um, and so, so you it, only
0: had a, a fast-acting insulin pen?
1: Yes, exactly. I only had the fast-acting. So I was doing little bits of insulin, <laughs> um, and I couldn't eat as much because I was nauseous. Um, and I think I really just got nauseous because I, I didn't have – too much constant insulin. Um, and that's happened to me before where like, I've gotten nauseous, you know, if, if things like that have happened, you know, if my sets plugged up or something. Um, so that was sort of frustrating to deal with at the time. Um, you know, at mile 20, after I'd been walking for a mile in the rain and it had, you know, increased my time by 16 minutes, basically. Yeah. Um, I actually went into a porta potty and just, started crying. Um, oh. and I texted, I, yeah, I, I texted my boyfriend and I was like, I just, I don't think I can do this. Like, I really don't think I can do this. Um, which was hard for me. Cause I was like, I, I was like, I had been so ready to do this. Like I was going to do it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, but he called me and he talked me through it and he was like, you know, basically he was like, listen, I am not letting you end this in a porta potty in the Bronx. Like you <laughs> yeah. get your butt back to Manhattan. We can go from there. Yeah. Um, and really talking to him and having his support, um, really gave me the, the confidence to sort of get over it and be like, okay, I can do this. Just, just get back to Manhattan, Mary, then go from there. And once I got to Manhattan, I was like, oh my God, I'm almost there. I can do this. Um, so I did have that little bit of like moment of weakness and doubt in myself. Um, But I think that also probably is what made it a lot sweeter when I finally did cross the finish line Um, is because there were a lot of times during that race when things went wrong or, you know, when I thought I wasn't going to be able to finish Um, and I finished in six hours and 14 minutes. Uh, I was the very last one on our team, but, it's like, I, I would not have been more proud if I had won the entire race. Like <laughs> I was so proud of myself.
0: Yeah. I, they say I, sadness I, makes happiness all the better.
1: Totally. <laughs> um, and it was just, it was, an, it was really amazing to go through that finish line. Um, I think, you know, I cried the last half mile or whatever, just cause it was crazy to me that it was about like this thing that I'd been working for, for you know, the most of the year now was I was about to, to finish it and accomplish my goal. Um, and I felt so proud of myself. And I felt, you know, proud of my team members, like I knew that all of them had finished, um, because we were all tracking each or I was tracking everyone on the app. Um, especially because you know, I because I had, because I had been talking to them for so long, it was cool to, to see them on the app. So I knew they had all finished. And that really helped You know me to be like I'm gonna I'm gonna finish I can do this Um, and yeah just coming across the finish line was amazing I definitely started crying um, cried a lot I was sort of by myself um, because I had finished so much later than my teammates so I was by myself but it was funny because I was just so happy that. Uh, like I, I was on like cloud nine, you know, and I didn't even care that I had to walk that half mile or whatever to get yeah. out of central park. Um, it sounds so, like yeah. you used your,
0: <laughs> it sounded like you used your phone a lot on the race. How did mm-hmm. you, were you nervous about it dying? Cause I felt, I actually still haven't run that distance since I've been diagnosed. And so I'm kind of nervous thinking like, how long can I get my phone battery to last? Cause I need it. You know what I mean? Like this is my Dexcom and all that. Yeah. Battery, so.
1: Um, it's funny, actually, because you brought that up. Uh, I had never I had never actually thought about that. I think I was so busy thinking about my pump and everything yeah. else that I just didn't think about it. Um, my watch was the one that died first. And I was so annoyed by that because then I didn't get, you know, real stats um, from my Strava while I was running. So that was a little annoying. But. Um, but yeah, for some reason, I guess I never thought about the phone. I think that what I did is I, I usually bring a mobile charger with me to lots of places because I yeah. hate when my phone dies, especially, you know, if you are using your phone for your CGM, like for your Dexcom um, instead of a receiver, you know, that's a big like point of of worry. Um, yeah. And so what I, yeah, what I did was like, I brought a mobile charger with me um, that I put in my bag that like they they take, you know, to the to the, uh, when you, when you, um, like your drop start bag. the race, you, yeah, yeah sorry. Yeah. Drop back. Yeah. Sorry. Um, so in my drop bag, so I just left it in there. And because of that, I did start the race with like a hundred percent battery. Um, and so I didn't have to worry. Smart. I think I probably also turned on like, you know, low power mode just <laughs> as a, as a precaution. Um, yeah. see, so these and... are all the
0: tips that we need. <laughs> you know what I mean? Give us more tips.
1: Yeah. So. Oh, I'm, I'm, I'm full of them. When um,
0: you, when you finish, you said you had to what? walk uh, you said you had to walk a half mile to like clear mm-hmm. Central park get out the lactic yeah. acid after you sat <laughs> down and ate were you able to walk <laughs> again
1: um you know it's funny i <laughs> I didn't actually eat that night um what? I had been feeling so nauseous that That's I actually all I would uh, be
0: looking forward to doing <laughs> this would be like, I know oh, I, I have been eat. so
1: excited to like finish the race, go get a nice glass of champagne, like take a bath, relax. You know what I mean? Like I'd gotten Epsom salts as like a, you know, just to have them. Um, and, uh, yeah, I just, but afterwards I was feeling so I was just feeling really nauseous still, um, and not great. And I, I actually did sort of spit up a little bit. Um, and I tried really hard to eat. Like I tried to have a couple of French fries, like tried to have water, um, but my body really was just not super happy with me. So oh, I ended no. up just going to bed pretty early. Um, so and no like uh,
0: celebration day. dinner or anything like that?
1: <laughs> no, I did not have that this year. <laughs> I will next time I run it though. Did anyone else,
0: did like, did everyone else go out without you and like texting <laughs> you mean things while you slept?
1: <laughs> no, my teammates were, they were super nice to me. <laughs> yeah. um, you know, it's funny because we all finished at different times everyone did different things. Yeah. Um, and we had sort of said it like that for beyond type one. Also what we did is like on Saturday we had a team brunch so that everyone could meet each other and all that kind of stuff. Because we knew that after the marathon, um, it just wasn't realistic. And, you yeah. know, some people started at nine thirty AM and finished in three and a half, four hours. Some people like myself didn't start till 11 AM and, you know, finished it, six, you know, five or 6 p.m. basically, um, yeah. just because of the way the waves work. Uh, and so, you know, and it that it was fine for me, though, because I guess I was I was just I wasn't even actually thinking about what everyone else was doing. I did feel bad because I was like, oh, man, I wish I could, like, be with everyone. I feel so bad that, like, I'm not there and I'm just in bed. Um, so uh, I guess, yeah, it's funny. I, I was sort of just Focusing on how bad I felt and oh, yeah. how bad I felt for not being listen. there. <laughs> you listen
0: to your body. I mean, you can't do it if your body's saying no. So, yeah. Are you going no. back this year? What? Sorry. Are you going back this year?
1: Yes, I am. Um, I'm. I'm going to run with. I think I'm going to run with Team for Kids this year. Um, because for for Beyond Type One for our running team, we want it to be a new crop of people every year and give people the opportunity who haven't done it before. Um, and so, and so this year, you know, we, we took all new people, um, as much as we, you know, love our, our other marathoners. I do think that it is important to give other people a shot. Um, and while I myself would love to run for beyond type run, um, I also know that we got so many amazing applications and because I'm the one that goes through those and watches everyone's videos and, you know, I'm crying because there's a 60 year old man who worked so hard on his video and is like shaking while he's reading from his notes. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, this man just wants it so bad. This is so sweet. Yeah. You know, or there's this pair of friends from Minnesota and they both have little boys and they want to run it together. And I'm just like, oh, my God. So it's it's, it's heart wrenching.
0: Nice. How do yeah. you decide? Like, how do you how do you pick without oh, spoiling God. it? Like, how do you try and <laughs> cypher through these? Because I'm sure everyone deserves it, you know.
1: No, absolutely. That's the tough thing is it is, you know, with things like this, like applications, um, it's hard to evaluate. And I would say that, like, our Bike Beyond team made it really easy because only 20 of them applied. Um, last year's marathon team made it really easy, too, because we had 17 people apply. Um, this year was a lot harder because we had, uh, you know, three times the amount of people applied that we had immediate spots for. Yeah. Um, But what we do is you know, we look through the videos. I'm not the only one just, um, you know, I'm the one that sort of manages the team. But, you know, we all like to look at the videos and sort of hear about people. Um, We look at, you know, if they've been involved with us before. So, for example, one of our Global Ambassador Council members from India, Apoorva, um, is going to be coming over and running with us, um, which is incredibly exciting for us. Um, And we have a woman who helped out with bike beyond, um, a little bit. And she's in South Africa and really wanted to come last year for the marathon and couldn't make it. And this year applied again. And I'm like, well, we have to take her. She wanted to come last year, you know? Um, and she's been involved with us for beyond type for, for bike beyond. She made this training plan. Um, so, you know, we, we look at a lot of different factors, I would say. Um, and we try to also, we do try to, balance it gender wise. Um, that is pretty important to us. Last year we, we had our one honorary man, um, Chewy Lamb. Uh, (laughs) he was the only guy that applied actually. (laughs) Yeah. So he was the only guy, but this year, you know, we did get, um, more guys, which is great. And so we, we do try to make sure that, um, you know, we, we have a nice, a nice sort of split across the genders and, you know, hopefully try to have some different ages and experience levels in there. You know, it's really cool because one of the guys for the team this year has run like three ultra marathons, you know, and one person hasn't even run a marathon. So it's really cool to see those varying degrees of experience. Um, But I will say that no one factor like is the one thing or, or, the one thing that sort of puts them out of the running. Um, you know, just cause someone's not 22 and we need a 22 year old if they're 20, you know what I mean? Like it's, yeah. it's just sort of, we, we look at a lot of things. Um, and, uh, you know, we, we try to be careful and you know, it's like, I had to let everyone know, you know, sorry, we don't have enough spots right now. We're asking later, I'll get back to you guys. And you know, I feel bad about that cause I know everyone's like, you know, waiting and wanting to know. Yeah. Um, uh but uh hopefully i'll be able to to find out soon if we get any more um i've noticed that
0: like the online type one scene is predominantly women and so it's it's funny to me that you that that was like the demographic that applied because i feel like that's the demographic that i see online (laughs) as well like it maybe not predominantly but i feel like it's definitely majority women than it is men
1: oh totally Yeah, um, that's something we've seen at Beyond Type 1 a lot, too, because we are so in touch with the community and our social media networks and things like that. Um, It is a lot of times females. Um, It's a lot of of moms, I will say. Um, Not as many dads, not as many young guys, not as many teenage guys. Um, And so that is an area, actually, that we're really trying to tap into and trying to figure out, you know, how can we help this area? Yeah, Um, how do
0: we connect to them?
1: Yeah, exactly, because it's, you know, it's, it's different. Um, not as many guys, you know, use Instagram as, as girls and want to be super vocal on there is, yeah. is at least what I have seen personally. Um, I don't mean to make that as a generalization, but, uh, for, I think I've had the same experience as you where, yes, I, I generally see more engagement from women, um, yeah. than men. <laughs> yeah, I <laughs> no, it's,
0: I want to say it's by a pretty significant margin. So yeah, <laughs> I, I guess maybe that's one of the things I would hope to do if, you know, um, if anything with the show and on top of helping type ones run, but you know, I think it is cool to kind of be a voice for the men out there that don't get as much, uh, as much love on Instagram, but
1: (laughs) (laughs) yeah, exactly. I'm like, we know you guys are out there. Like I know there's teenage guys, you know, out there with type one who could probably use a mentor to look up to a guy to look up to. Um, and it is nice because I feel like, we do have some of those people in this space. And I think people like, you know, Craig and James, the founders of type one run, like, they're amazing guys to look up to and, and say, like, wow, look at these guys who are doing this really cool thing. And they have type one. Um, but you know, we need more people like that. Um, because there there is a lack. Um, and, uh, you know, it is needed. We, we know that the guys are out there.
0: <laughs> so I have a random question. Mm-hmm. Only because I've been wondering it. And I think other people probably are too who invented the drop and <laughs> how do we get them credit for it? Cause I feel like this is like, people really like the drop, you know what I mean? Like this is like a successful ad campaign yeah. like, people are tattooing this on their body and stuff. So, Oh yeah. No, um, I
1: have it tattooed on me actually as well. <laughs> really? Um, So I think that the way the drop originated was just when we were making logos. Um, We have an amazing creative director, Sarah Jensen, um, whose son Henry has type one. He's the one with orange hair, um, who you guys have probably seen somewhere on Beyond Type One. Yeah, Um, wait,
0: he has the video that talks about um, like being type one and not being weird about it. You know.
1: Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's him. Yeah, um, so, cute. so his, yeah, his mom, Sarah, she's our creative director, um, and has been, has been with us since the, the very, very beginning. Um, and she's the one who, you know, Designed the logos, and I'll tell you, we went through some some logo iterations. Um, There was a lot of back and forth, Um, and I I think that yeah, she's the one who originally came up with those drops. Um, And so really, yeah, all the credit should go to Sarah Jensen. Um, She is she's who makes our brand look so great. Um, All of the visual assets that are done, like she's, you know, she's kind of in charge of that, Um, and it's it's remarkable so uh Wait, yeah so, so you kind of actually idea.
0: do have it tattooed on you
1: uh-huh yeah I do it's, uh, when it's did, on my like friend. when
0: did you know that you were gonna get this tattoo and like how <laughs> long did you come to that like how long did it take to get to that decision
1: so I got it oh man this is funny um, I have to think about this I got it on my very first day of official work for beyond type one. So I came on in the summer of 2015 and worked as a contractor. And then in September was when I was hired full time. And September 1st was like my, you know, first official day being a contractor and all all that or not being a contractor. Sorry. Um, And I had been thinking about getting the drop for a while. Um, when I first saw it, I was sort of like immediately like, oh, yeah, I, I want that tattooed because I had always or not always, but I've wanted a diabetes tattoo for a really long time, but I never wanted one that just said like diabetes or something like that. And so I was sort of, you know, I've been waiting for like the perfect thing. And I saw this drop and I was like, that's great because it's subtle enough that like it's not screaming diabetes. I know what it is. Um, it's not just a company logo because it is that, that blood drop and that represents type one. Um, so you know, it's not like I'm tattooing something stupid on my body. Um, and yeah, and it just, I think it, yeah, I, I, I thought about it for a while. Um, and it was, it was sort of, uh, an exciting, like important thing I wanted to do. And I did like doing it on my first day of official work um it's funny i haven't thought about that in a while (laughs) i
0: pride myself in asking weird questions um which is a perfect segue into the last section and i'll thank you for coming on the show and i won't take too much more of your time but the last thing i always like to do is called tempo talk and i'll shoot some random questions at you some of them running related for some reason some of them aren't and you can answer them as fast or as slow as you'd like
1: cool let's do it
0: real sugar or artificial sweetener real sugar all day
1: um, I guess I don't use any artificial sweeteners. Okay. Um, that answers I don't the question, like, yeah. yeah, I don't like using them. So if I, I, I don't drink a lot of sugar or anything, but I will choose regular sugar over sweetener. Yeah.
0: <laughs> Favorite night before pre-race meal.
1: Ooh, Hmm. I would say, um, a burger and French fries yeah,
0: really. is,
1: Yeah. It's my like pre-race and post-race meal. It's all I ever want when I'm done with a long run. Um, and yeah, I I think, uh, yeah, I, I don't know. I love burgers and fries.
0: (laughs) Favorite food you'd eat a huge portion of if you were not type one.
1: Oh, donut. Oh man. (laughs) (laughs)
0: Like just regular glazed donuts.
1: Yeah. Probably like Krispy Kremes. Um, I also have celiac. I, I've had it since I was like, you know, 16. Mm-hmm. Um, so I actually haven't had a real donut in a really long time because oh, gluten-free donuts. Yeah. Um, if anyone has suggestions, hit me up. Um, but so yeah, it's like if I could have one food that I could eat without any consequences, like it would be donuts. Cause yeah. man, I love those things.
0: <laughs> Favorite low treatment food for like during exercise.
1: Um, strawberry cliff blocks are my favorite, Ooh. like number one thing.
0: <laughs> what is, how many carbs are in one block?
1: Um, one block is eight carbs. Uh, so it's nice because, you know, sometimes i like, I don't want to open up an entire gel packet. Yeah. Um, which is, you know, normally my, uh, I like, I do like using gel packets. I use them on every run or every long run. Um, and I like the honey stinger ones, but sometimes like. You know, I don't need twenty five grams of carbs. Like my number might be just dipping a little bit and I just need a little bit of carbs. So that's really why I like the cliff blocks. Um, is because I do have some flexibility. Um, but also, you know, things like sport beans or something or like the sport jelly beans are good. Yeah. As well. You said
0: you don't like to run start a run if you're over like two fifteen or something like that. Where do you like what's your mm-hmm. ideal run number for a start? Like like for a what? regular like a five-mile run or like a four-mile run or
1: something. Yeah. So I'll say um my best base that i would i feel i would feel most comfortable at is around 140 mm-hmm. um if i start at 120 i just that worry wart in me like comes yeah. out and i just get nervous i'll go down more
2: yeah
1: um but uh yeah so i would say like i like to be around 140 um anywhere from like you know 120 to 160 is is pretty good for me um I'll, and i'll never start a run if i'm lower than like a hundred or nine, a 90 or a hundred, like depending on the the circumstances. Um, because I, I have a, I have a huge fear of lows like anyway, as it is. Um, but yeah, so I, I just sort of do that as a a precaution for myself, I guess.
0: (laughs) Do you think you have more a fear of lows than highs?
1: Yeah, definitely. Um, I think I'm the opposite. I don't know why. Really? That's so interesting. Highs are terrible because
0: they take so long to fix a low is like, You know it's quick, but granted, I don't have a history of severe lows. I know that people, you know, some people just based on their diabetes, they have a history of like really terrible lows, and I haven't had that. So I think if I did, I might be more scared of them. But normally, (laughs) it's just like, hey, I get to, I get to have a whole spoonful of Nutella, sweet, you know.
1: Yeah, no. Trust me, I uh, I understand that. <laughs> yeah. The only time it gets frustrating for me if it is if it's a situation where like I'm not feeling good or you know what I mean, like something like that. Then I'm like, oh god, I don't yeah. want to eat this sugar right now. But yeah, uh, yeah. but yeah,
0: <laughs> something you wish everyone knew about type one.
1: Oh, I I just wish that everyone knew that it's not caused by sugar. And it's not the same thing as type two, like there's so much misunderstanding and miseducation out there um, about what type one is. And for me, I feel like that's where a lot of problems come from. Like when you can't understand a disease, you know, it's hard to have compassion for people and to know what they're going through. It's hard to get fundraising for that disease. You know, if someone doesn't know what something is, they're not going to want to fund to cure it. Um, And there's a lot of you know, stigma and shame that gets brought on to diabetes, but, you know, both type one and type two, certainly, um, that has to do with that misinformation that has to do with people, you know, asking you in fourth grade, if you got diabetes because you were fat or because you had too much sugar. Um, and you know, especially when you're a little kid, like you don't know that, you know, what's what it's, it's embarrassing. Um, yeah. And, and, uh, Yeah. So I, I just wish that people really knew the the difference and knew what it was. Um, yeah. So, uh, yeah, I think that's it.
0: (laughs) No, it's perfect. Advice you'd give to someone who is like just diagnosed with type one or has been type one for a while and wants to start running.
1: I would say just to do it, just start would be my best advice. Um, just start, but listen to your body. I think that there's a lot of fear of starting something because if it's an unknown, especially there's so much fear in the unknown. Um, but with running, especially like you just got to start and, and go and you'll figure it out from there. And that's what I did. And sure, I had tons of lows and tons of highs and times that things didn't work out, Um but I learned to listen to my body and, um, that it had been better to to start than it would have been for me to not be a runner. Now I'm, I'm way happier (laughs) that I, now that I run,
0: that's that's great advice, especially considering you went from, I think you said like you ran your first mile in April or March all the way, you know, to not even the end of the year running 34 or something (laughs) miles in a day, you know what I mean? Or run walking 34 miles. That's incredible.
1: Yeah. Well, thank you. It's it's pretty cool. Well,
0: Mary, thank you so much for coming on the show. I'm not going to take up your whole night, but where can people follow you? Where's the best ways to keep up with Mary, Beyond Type Run, Beyond Type 1, and of course, you know, your own personal life and your own training?
1: (laughs) Um, Well, first of all, thank you so much for having me on. I'm so excited to get to talk to you about this. Running and diabetes is a Two big passions of mine. Um, I would say, obviously, for people uh, to come follow Beyond Type One, we have a lot of different things for everyone. So, you know, if you're not looking to run, we might have something else for you. If you are looking to run, we also have that for you. Um, So, Beyond Type One, you know, we're on all the social networks, we have our own app, Um, we're pretty easy to find. For myself, uh, Instagram is is the best for me. Um, I really sort of that's like my social network that I like to use and where I post a lot about my updates and my life. Um, and there's links there to like my my website and stuff like that that I'll you know blog on sometimes or, or post things on. Um, like links to t-shirts and and other, you know, other exciting things like t-shirts I've designed or, or links to my old children's wear stuff. Um, that's probably not that exciting for running right now. That was a total (laughs) different tangent. Um, but yeah, I would say Instagram, sorry, (laughs) back to the question. Instagram is, is where to follow me.
0: (laughs) Awesome. Well, Mary, thank you so much for coming on the show. Everything you guys are doing at type one and type one, um yeah so for beyond type one <laughs> beyond type run and then type one run that's a mouthful but yeah, a, um, yeah no, thank know. you so much yeah, you guys are an inspiration
1: yeah we struggle with that as well <laughs> <laughs> um but you yeah, know really thank thank you um this was this was really great and i really appreciate uh the opportunity to talk to you it was great
0: Hey guys so that wraps up today's show if you haven't already make sure to subscribe it's an incredible way to get fresh episodes delivered straight to your phone every week if you think you or anyone you know would be a perfect interviewee for the show make sure to reach out to me on facebook instagram or twitter at type one run podcast or at type one run.org slash podcast once again guys thank you so much for listening i'll talk to you guys again next week train hard train happy and leave no one's behind